Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Mr. Poole? Man, oh, let's, yeah. let's move in. We've got, we got to actually have two very interesting folks that are going to be interviewing with us tonight on the show, so... Let's yeah, yeah, they've. Uh, I'm sure there's probably several people that has heard of the, heard of these guys, seen these guys on the on television, and uh, it's pretty uh pretty popular guys, I believe. Well, my understanding is the younger one is the better hunter. Is that right? Is all oh, man? That, that sounds great. <laughs> I may I may need to come help me kill a turkey. <laughs> come take some tips. Yeah, yeah, I'm all. Uh, this year, I'm going back to my beginning stages of turkey hunting. I believe. Well, look, today yeah. we have uh, we have Sean Lundy with Drury Outdoors and his son Cole on with us. Guys, are y'all still there? Y- yes, we are. Pleasure to be here. We appreciate it. Oh man, good to have y'all. The Cole, are, are, is he going to let you talk any tonight, or is he he handling the meat of it? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> too too early to tell, huh? Yeah. Oh, he, he's got, got stories, that's for sure. So he's, he, he's, he never seems to surprise me, whether it's in the whitetail woods, deer woods, whatever the case may be. So he's, he's got me beat now at 11 years old that, than I was when I was probably 20 years old, to be honest. Oh, man, that's awesome. Isn't that funny how that works out? Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. Like, just the, you guys are talking about just the turkey woods in general. Um, I'm a big friction guy. Like I use a lot of pot calls and box calls and stuff like that. And yeah, never been really good with the mouth call, blowing a diaphragm and stuff like that. And Cole started, you know, blowing one when he was probably six, seven years old. And right now, whenever we get our hands on some new calls, it's he, he uses a mouth call all the time, you know, at 11 years old. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's, it's like no world champ or anything yet, but it kills a turkey. So it's, it's, so he, he does his job when it comes to that. Well, that's kind of what Jake and I were actually talking about today. I mean, I I know I don't sound the best with a mouth call, but it's so convenient. I mean, it's not tying my hands up. You know, if a bird's coming in, I can stay I can stay in my pose. I can stay focused, hold my gun up, and there's nothing really occupying my hands, you know. And um, but I, I I'm not the best. I'm not going to win any any turkey calling contest at all. But I mean, I've I've managed to kill kill enough birds on my own and I, I feel confident doing it um but uh but yeah i'm like you I, I like a slate call i like a box call um but it's just it's just real convenient to throw a throw a mouth call in and, and you know i'm 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 able to, to use my hands hold my gun and i'm not you know swapping one up if the bird slips up on me real quick i don't want to have a you know a call in my hand and not a gun so um it's uh it's uh, it's something i i i'm not a professional at by no means but hey it'll kill a bird you you know what though this is like i'm you know been blessed to know a lot of great turkey hunters and a lot of great callers in the industry and a lot of them will tell you too several times when i've been out in the woods you know i can call good enough to get the job done but some of the worst turkey calls i've ever heard came out of an actual live turkey yeah you, you know, and it's like you, you hear it and you swear there's another hunter over there. And here comes <laughs> and it's just, you know, it makes you think for a second. Well, I guess we, we do all have our own voices, you know, and it's the same thing in the animal world. So we actually had this very conversation walking out this after we uh, did. <laughs> noon. And it was, I, I think the actual conversation was, you know, if you're listening to a group of hens, none of them sound the same. So, you know, as long as you're not too too god awful or to me the main thing is knowing when to quit yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's a point where you have his attention hush unless you're trying to to make an old hen mad and get her over there to come check you out and drag him with you most of the time less is better let it let it work uh, let his curiosity get the better of him and it's hard to do sometimes because you don't hear him for a minute or so and you're like oh let me let me see where he's at well a lot of times you don't want to do that because he might be standing right behind you 
Absolutely. You know, and that's when I do call, a lot of times that happens where, you know, in the morning, and I don't know it's right or wrong, you know, but in the morning I tend to, while they're still on the roost, once they fly down, I may get a little aggressive only for a few minutes just to kind of let them know, hey, we're over here. And literally at that point, you know, I kind of shut it down because they, they're still kind of gobbling on their own. And then I may go 15, 20 minutes and I may, if when it comes time for me to call again, I always start off so, so, so subtle and slow and, and not really put volume to it because there's been many times, you know, you, you hear that turkey gobble and you're used to calling hard. Well, you hammer away on that pot call or, and he's 15, 20 yards behind you and you completely just blew the whole game, you know, and there's been times where you just, you may just start off with just a few soft purrs and he just fires the whole woods up. You know, he's 60, 70 yards. You know, I always think you, you can make it louder and start to get into the call a little more instead of just, I do the same thing with predator hunting too, kind of start off, you know, locating them so you don't completely blow them out of the county, you know? Well, Sean, tell us this now, the, uh, what all we follow you on Facebook, we follow you on Instagram. Tell us tell us what all you do in the outdoor industry and and kind of give our listeners a, a little bit of a background here. Uh, actually it's um kind of a little bit of an interesting story. I was born and raised in Long Island, New York. So there really wasn't much hunting out there. I've always hunted my whole life and fished on the New York Sound and stuff like that. But we had to travel, you know, four or five hours up into the mountains, whether it's the Catskills or the Adirondacks to do our hunting. So a little while later, you know, I ended up maybe not being the, some people might say the you know, sharpest tool in the shed or something. I said, you know, what? I, I did okay in school, but not that good. And I, I wanted to keep some direction in my life. And I talked to my parents and said, I, I was just going to go into the military. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps back in 1996 and from doing that, I was able to travel some places in the U.S. and meet some friends that also hunted. But most of these guys I met, you know, these were some down south boys or Midwestern boys where, I mean, they're, it kind of blew my mind that these guys are hunting like 10 minutes from their house. You know, I, I didn't grow up knowing what that was. You know, we always had to travel to go hunt. So, you know, I always was like hunting. I've, I've watched Drury's you know, shows since, since the beginning of time, you know, and, uh, I've always been a big fan of Mark and Terry. So what happened is when I got out of the military, I told my, uh, mom and dad, I said, Hey, I'm going to move out West. So I moved out to Northern Indiana and I actually got a job, which currently what I do now, I, I got a job in law enforcement. I started in the correctional part of it and eventually made my way up as a, like a, a road officer on the, you know, in the county or on the highway or something. And little by little, which I'm sure you can tell from me wearing a beard and stuff like that, I actually am now assigned to a federal task force in a narcotics unit. So when I first, you know, transferred over to that, I did about five or six years working um, undercover as an um, undercover officer doing narcotics work. But I still was big into hunting. And now it was great because I was whitetailing turkey hunting just you know, five minutes out my back door. So I started to travel around. I bought a little piece of property down in Southern Illinois. And I started to meet some of these guys from the industry and get some tech tips from them and stuff like that and different equipment to film with and so on. So it, it's really kind of weird. So a while back, I actually ended up writing a note to Drury Outdoors. And it was probably, I'd say about a month or so later, I received a letter back from Terry Drury himself and it, it blew my mind. And he, I could tell that this gentleman actually read my note. Like he mentioned things inside there that were very personal that I mentioned. So I knew, you know, Hey, this is someone that actually read this, you know? <laughs> so, so I sat there and I, he mentioned things, you know, good luck and keep doing what you're doing. You know, unfortunately at this time, you know, they're, they're, they're doing good, but they're just, you know, not, looking for anybody on a pro staff or anything. So then we fast forward a few years after that, I started meeting some of the guys that were on the team and I started self-filming a lot of my own hunts. So uh, I got a phone call from Matt Jury, and Matt said that, you know, he wanted me to film a couple of my turkey hunts, which I did. And I sent in the footage 
and they kind of did like a little introdu- um, introduction video on, you know, me and my job and where I grew up and my career and how I got into the hunting industry. And it was probably a year or so after that, the people I guess seemed to, you know, enjoy it at home. So, uh, I was brought on as a, uh, cast member with Drury's Winchester's natural born show, which is on the sportsman's channel now. And then it was a year after that, I got brought into, uh, the critical mass, which actually took over their dream season. So okay. it's, it's, it's been a, uh, definitely a, a roller coaster of awesome, you know, feelings and emotions. And, you know, I, I kind of, to be honest, I, I'm probably one of the, the only guys on the team that, you know, I'm really blessed to be around a lot of these guys. Like when I'm in the same room, when you talk about some of these big time heavy hitters, when it comes to getting on and killing big whitetails, you know, you've got Glessinger and Tom Ware and the Bow Madness guys and, you know, Brick Stewart and Jennings. And it's just, you know, here are these guys that kill giant deer. And I'm not really known for that. You know, I'm known more for hunting with my family and my son, Cole, who's right here next to me. He's kind of my little, right-hand man when it comes to the hunting world and actually in my mind harvesting great deer but to some of the people maybe watching the outdoor they're you know they're not what people would consider giants you know and i try to make the best out of small pieces of property um most of the properties we have are leases Uh, my son killed a absolute great deer for us here in indiana on a 30 acre field it's a lease we have that's only got three acres of woods you know, so it's it from there. I've just kind of started trying to show my hunch through Jury Outdoors. And on season one, I was blessed enough to actually be chosen fan favorite by the viewers. And then when last year came up season two, um, I don't know how, but uh, you know, I, I was able to harvest a few animals, but really get my family involved. And I ended up actually being chosen as the viewers again. You know, you guys is home as the fan favorite and the, the winner of the whole show for Critical Mass. So it's it's been a, a very, very interesting and a s- exciting road for me so far. So so are you still full-time law enforcement? Yeah, yes, I am. I've got about, um, I don't know, about 15, 16 years on right now. So I'm still actively, I don't do much undercover work anymore. A lot of the stuff I do is investigations in the narcotics narcotics unit we've got some younger guys or we'll use informants or stuff like that but you know now i'm assigned to a federal task force you know right here in indiana still still working narcotics that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool yeah that's definitely, uh, that's definitely two interesting. different two different things altogether there you know being in yeah. now if if you don't need to talk about being undercover on this show, that's that's quite all right. Uh, especially since you are a a personality now. Uh, <laughs> if you know, and that that's the the real interesting part of it because in the beginning, when I um talked to Matt, you know, I told him a little bit of what I did, and he they actually did a a, a show that was on Natural Born, and it it was it's actually on the dod tv on youtube you can actually type in task force turkey and it's it's the story of me that was an episode on a little bit of what i did when i was working a lot of undercover all the way to the point where they introduced me onto the team you know because in the beginning i ran the camera for some friends and stuff like that because it was okay for me to get behind the camera but once i started you know actually not working as much undercover and just going back into as a Invest, investigational part of it I was able to get in front of the camera which I, I instantly jumped on that opportunity you know it's which the wife was happy about too you know when I did work a lot of undercover time it was late nights or out of town or whatever the case may be and, and it, it took a toll on the family you know and it's but you know we, we, we stuck it out well between me and my wife we've got five awesome kids and you probably see a lot of times you'll see me with the you know, doing stuff with the kids on TV and whether it's food plots or looking for sheds. and But out of those five, we've got four girls and only one boy. So Cole, or also known as Little Debbie to everybody on the Outdoor Channel, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't leave my side. So Now, how did you, Cole, how did you earn the nickname Little Debbie? Well, every time we'd go out hunting, whether it's deer hunting or turkey hunting, I'd always 
bring little Debbie oatmeal cream pies and kind of caught on from there. Oh, my kind of man. <laughs> Cole, Cole, you're you you're welcome to come hunting with us anytime you want to, especially if you bring oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> We're talking boxes too. I mean, this kid, he, his snack game, his snack game is right on. It's, it's, so he he's not bringing singles, huh? No, he's bringing the double stackers. <laughs> that's a good man. I mean, that's a good man to have in your have in your arsenal there. Oh, 100 percent. We don't go hungry when Cole's in the blind, so. Well, I think it's pretty obvious, but Cole, tell us, tell us kind of how, you know, you, you, I think you're probably a, uh, you know, you're, you're well known now, I believe in, you know, in the hunting industry, but kind of tell us your early years and, and you getting started into it. Well, it kind of all started when I was like, honestly, really, really young. Um, you have pictures of me probably not even a year old sitting in the duck blind with dad in like a little camouflage blanket. That's, oh, that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, we, I, he couldn't walk when he first got out there, so I, I pretty much carry him everywhere. So, <laughs> well, Cole, if it helps, I've taken my daughter before and put her in her little waders and put her on a bag of decoys and floated her to the blind. So uh, we, we know we know what you're talking about over here. Yeah. So, kind of how did how did that develop after that? Did you did you you know. You know, you went duck hunting, and what, what, how did you get into the deer hunting aspect of it? Um, well, when I was littler, um, Dad would take me hunting, and, like, it, it was kind of the one time we were out, and Dad's like, there was a deer in the woods, and he kept coming in and out, and Dad's like, if you can call him in, I'll shoot him. And I was probably, I don't know how old. Like, probably, he's, he was probably five or six years old, and, I, and it was a... Uh, a a small little year and a half old buck and you know you got a five six year old kid that it it just more excitement on his face i wasn't filming then and i kind of wish i was so but uh he'll tell you the story it was just great i pretty much told him you know if you if you call this deer in you know we're, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna harvest it you know because it was it was it's our hunt together you know even though i might be the one to shoot it or him it's our hunt together so he had his mind committed and i did not think the hunt was going to turn out the way it did no yeah we were in a a pretty old black shooting house and there's so many mice in this house we call it the mouse house and like you'll be sitting there and they'll just crawl over your hands and on your guns and stuff but (laughs) back back up and say that again they do what now like when we're sitting in this blind that we have called the mouse house like the mice, they'll just crawl on your arm, and they'll crawl over your scope on your gun and stuff, and you're just used to it. They are just they just sit there, and they'll just stare at you. They after them oatmeal cream pies is what they after. <laughs> they, they know that scent. Yeah. Go ahead, Cole. Um, so, anyway, when we were out there, Dad's like, you call him in, I'll shoot him. So... I got out our grunt call and I started grunting and grunting and he'd come in and out of the woods. Then finally he came out and dad gave dad a good shot and dad took him. It, it was awesome too, because believe it or not, that deer, he was a, a little, a little two points on one side and a little busted off spike on the left. And to this deer, to this day, that deer is hanging in Cole's wall and it's got a Cole and dad's name right underneath it. So funny how it's not, it's not always the biggest trophies that 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 are the most memorable hunts right i i can't stress that enough like i you know it that's the one thing that i tell cole it, it i don't want to burn them out i grew up in a you know i had there was four people in my family it was three three of us boys and one sister and we all kind of hunted a little bit but you know introducing the kids is so important but i think once you do that after that like to me, I just couldn't get enough of it. I remember my dad once I got out of high school. I'd, you know, I'd I'd be shooting bufflehead and sea ducks on the Long Island Sound, and I would have my license and I I put a canoe in the back of the station wagon. You know, I, to me, I was going to do anything to hunt. But I have seen it where you you can burn the kids out. I really really believe that. And to me, like when we get out there, you know, and with everybody, it's I think we, we got to stop hunting to say okay you know i want to go out there and kill a big buck because 
you know, I want to show the picture or I want to post it. You know, I guess you got to look at it like, well, why are you out there? You know, if you want to harvest a deer or you want to create a memory, it's your hunt. You know, we got to stop worrying about, well, what are people going to think on social media? Or, you know, to this day, I've got, I get, you know, some young kids or even some older people that have just first time hunting. They'll, they'll show me a picture. They'll direct message it to me. And I'll tell them congrats. And they, I'll share it on my page. They didn't want to share it on their page because, you know, they're, they're worried about what someone else is going to think. You know, this is your time. This is your season that's ahead of you. We're competitive by nature anyway. You know, we're going to, and I can say it myself, to me, I'm not going to pass up a 150-inch deer. Here I am, blessed enough to be hunting on TV. I cannot pass up 150-something-inch deer. And there's people out there that can do it. And the people that do, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, they're, they're to that point in their life or their career, whatever the case may be, where, you know, they took it to the next level. But, you know, we're all at our own categories. We can't hunt for someone else. we got to hunt for us and our family. And we, we got to let that inches thing kind of get out the window. I mean, I understand that management is important and we need to harvest those. And we, but if we manage everything in the world and we don't have youngsters out there starting to get involved and to have fun and enjoy it 20, 30 years from now, there ain't going to be, it, it's just going to be a bunch of 80 and 90 year old big buck killers and no one there behind them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's we've, yeah. We have all been there, and if we don't continue to promote this, it's going to go downhill. You know, and that's the one thing that I take so much pride in from Mark and Terry that I'll never forget last year when Mark called me up after they, they said who won the show on TV, and I was in tears. You know, my family, they're excited as can be. You know, we won this awesome Can-Am and everything else. And, and I told Mark, I said, hey, you know, you know, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity again. He's like, no, you appreciate And I told him, I said, I'm going to continue to go out there and, you know, try to harvest better animals every year, this or that. And take it, this is Mark Drury. He cut me off right away. And he said, Sean, don't. Just be you. You know what I'm saying? That's, this is, you, you know, we can't, you, you got to be you. We can't be, you know, discrediting, you know, 140 150 inch deer you know if you got a place and you're hunting you, you, a place where realistically you know 150 160 is is not something that's there you you're after hunting at it for a few years you're going to be over hunting you know you're not gonna you, you're not you know you have deer in saskatchewan and you know deer all the way down you know as far as south in the delta we've got different size and different subspecies and you've got to hunt your hunt. And that, that meant the world to me when Mark told me, you know, just continue what you're doing and can, you know, that that's what, you know, we, we got you here for, and that's why you're on board. So that's the biggest thing I could drive home to everybody. It's, it's your hunt, you know, and my son is starting to get a little more picky, which is concerning me. Part of it <laughs> concerning me is because he's starting to kill a lot better deer than dad is. <laughs> but, you know, when we were in Texas this year, and I know you remember it, Cole. Um, what was the name of that deer you you ended up shooting? You oh, called him high and tight. You called him high and tight, and uh, he was just a uh, probably a uh, oh not not Texas. That's right. He's reminding me here. It's Oklahoma. <laughs> this kid knows everywhere he's been. But we were down there with our buddy Garrett in Oklahoma, and uh, you know we walked into a Walmart to buy our license, and he looked up on the wall and he said, "Dad, that deer looks like the one on trail cam picture." And this is right after Cole harvested 153-inch deer in Indiana. This deer is probably, you know, right at 120, 120-something inches, but the coolest-looking rack. And it looked just like the one we were going in after in the morning, you know. And at that point, it made me real happy that, you know, it wasn't about the size to him. You know, he was excited to go out there and hunt a certain deer, not because of the size, but because it was something that he was interested in, so... Look. Sean, I I know I've I watched uh, I can't remember what episode it was or anything like that, but talking about memorable you know memorable hunts and I think that this would this is definitely one for you or it seemed like it whenever I was watching it on television and I'd like for you you speak on it a little bit more, but it was it was the hunt with uh, that your your dad was with you, 
and he <laughs> shot the, and he and he shot the deer. I mean, just watching it, it was almost like one of those hunts that you're just sitting there and you almost feel like you're there, you know, with y'all whenever y'all shot the deer or he shot the deer, and you know, it seemed like a special hunt for you. You know, and that's that's it's funny you bring that up too because that's exactly how I felt once the producers put it together and the guys at the studio for juries. I mean, it's they're the ones out there doing, you know, we're doing the fun stuff and we're trying to produce it in the field. But when those editors and they put it all together, like if you look the the footage, it's not something that you, you would, you know, see in Hollywood or something. It's just me out there with my father. I mean, the guy that introduced me to this, you know, and when this deer comes out, when they show that second angle footage, I mean, it's but my dad, he, he's shaking in his pants. I mean, he's saying how big this deer is and, you know, and I watched this deer come out. He actually grunts, and he comes walking out, and he's walking towards the camera. And here's a 70-something-year-old man, cancer survivor, you know, multiple uh, multiple purple hearts when he was in Vietnam. I mean, and he's, he's not really doing really good health-wise. And this deer's walking to us, and it's this year-and-a-half-old buck, and he is so excited. And the more he gets excited, I'm getting amped up like this is a 180-inch deer. I mean, you could see it. I'm shaking. You can hear the, the cord pounding on the side of the camera. And about that time, I'm telling him, hey, listen, you know, we're going to, you know, for camera purposes, we're going to have to wait. You know, it's going to have to, uh, you know, be broadside of this. And that deer's quartering to us, probably, you know, quartering to us a little more than what it should. But then again, you got to take into perspective that, you know, on TV, things look different. I mean, with the firearm. It's such an ethical shot. I mean, it's, you know, but, you know, to some of the people out there don't understand a lot of the hunting and everything that, you, you know, they expect the shot to be a certain way. And I'm just about to tell my dad, hey, listen, wait, he's going to turn broadside. And he drops the hammer on that muzzleloader. <laughs> and that smoke clears in. At that point, I, I really didn't care. I was just so excited. I watched the deer run off. And to me and my dad, it wasn't about filming a hunt. You know, and when he walks up to it, I know you heard that when he's when he picks this deer up, you, the emotion was, was through the roof. I mean, he just oh, no doubt he missed on that same episode. It showed the year before that he missed probably a 135, 140 inch deer out of the same blind. And here he does. He shoots this year and a half old and he is so excited. He he grabs that deer by the antlers and he turns it back and that, that deer don't weigh or a, doesn't score 50, 60 inches. And, he, and all he says on camera is, is, you know, I can't wait to bring this home to mom. You know, I'm going to hang this right above our bed. Your mom's going to be so excited, you know. <laughs> and it's just, it just goes to show, like, that that's it right there. I mean, that's, it's a memory. It has nothing to do, you know. And uh, on the team, Jared Lurk has said it the best more than anything. You know, it's the size of the smile that we need to be thinking about. You know, not the size of the antlers or whatever the case may be. So, but that was a very special hunt. And, you know, he was he was back at it with me again this year. We try to make that a tradition and hopefully he'll be with us next year. But, uh, with this whole coronavirus thing they're they're hunkered down. My, my whole family still lives out in New York. So they're hunkered down on long Island, but, uh, you know, God willing, we'll, we'll get together again this, this season coming up. Well, you know, Sean, when we first started this podcast, I did not know you were from New York, but one of our largest listening audience is New York state, which has wow. always tickled us because, why anybody from New York State would want to listen to two old country boys from South Mississippi talk in interview? I, I guess it's just you know, but there's a lot of folks that hunt in that area that you just don't think about when you think about New York. You think about New York City. A lot of folks we do from down here. So it's well, um, it's neat that that's the area you're from, and that's actually Jeremy. Is that still holding true? That's our second largest or third largest. It's, it's actually the third the third largest downloaded. Um, state of the podcast that we have i think it's mississippi texas and then new, new york state yeah new york you know if you look at it like new york and pennsylvania right there in the northeast like people don't think of that as but those are huge hunting states huge you know you look at the city itself but you take long island new york which i don't know some of the viewers out there make it make it a little mad because i'm giving away some hot spots but they've got some big whitetail out on the island some big corn i mean people think new york they don't think but long island you know they've got 
you know, most of it's bow hunting out there. There is some shotgun, but I mean, they got some big old whitetails, cornfields out there. And when you start to head out further east to the beaches, and then you have the majority of the state. I mean, New York City is so small. If you look at the map, the majority of that state is, you know, pretty much, you know, the Adirondacks and the Catskill Mountains. And, and it goes all the way up. It, it touches Canada. So it's a very big state and very, you know, a lot of big hunters and outdoorsmen from that area. And some phenomenal turkey hunting, too, to say the least. Well, I was fixing to throw that little bit in. If anybody's listening to this from New York or Pennsylvania, I do not have those two states marked out yet. So uh, if you've got some good turkey hunting, hit me up. Yeah, it is. And a lot of, uh, actually, um, Mark and Terry, um, when they first started filming, a lot of it was turkey hunts back. You know, you go back 30, 30-something years ago. Uh, Terry will tell you some of the best turkey hunting he's ever filmed and stuff was right there with Mark over in New York State, up in, in the mountains in New York. So a lot of people don't know that. I would have never guessed it, but I, I yep. know in what you do and in a lot of stuff, a lot of travels that I've been able to do over the years, we think small term with our local areas, and then you get out and you start seeing other areas and realize how much different things are how big area from the perspective that you have uh you know you go to oklahoma oklahoma's got just like texas they've got just about every landscape you want <laughs> other, Absolutely, other yeah. than beaches uh you know you you want mountains you want deserts you want timber they they've got everything you want them to throw at so you you can go to a lot of different states. Canada, I've been in Canada the last couple of years, and it is really neat to sit down and talk to folks up there and find out what all they've got going, and you know the different different species, different things they have. It's always something new to learn and something to add to your your repertoire. Oh, absolutely. That's I've hunted Texas back in the day, um, not too far out of Abilene. We stayed. And we did some predator hunting down there, and that was the one thing that amazed me about there. Like, I think that's why some species, some species in certain areas, you know, do real good. And these are the same species that thrive, like in South Africa and stuff. And there's places in Texas that look like South Africa. And then you could travel four or five hours, and you think you're in the foothills of Montana or something like that. <laughs> it's <laughs> places, and they they've got it. They've got free range you know whitetail mule deer um some parts of oklahoma are getting elk now it's just those two states down there they're they're not sleeper states anymore so they're definitely some great outdoor um opportunities there was well, y'all what all do y'all have coming up what what's what's going on now and what are y'all working on is there anything new well, you can tell us about it, as far as for um with the me and call ourselves or the team or any of it man well i know we just uh we're right in the middle of turkey season now which i um you know heard you guys talking earlier and uh i've been kind of uh, blessed enough that a few weeks ago i went down to florida with a friend of mine and my wife was all nervous with the traveling and everything going on but i i kind of i kind of felt like i was the big man for the second i got on this huge plane and there's four people on the plane Two of them were pilots, and there was one stewardess and myself. So they, we, we took Delta. <laughs> we flew flock right into to Daytona, and I was lucky enough to go down there. Me and Garrett, he completed his slam. I went ahead and uh, we filmed each other. I, I ended up harvesting my Osceola. And then, uh, you know, from that, we came back, and we were going to take the family to uh, Gulf Shores for spring break. But with everything going on and them stopping all the travel, uh I had a turkey tag for Illinois. Um, it was something I was going to do after spring break, try to head down there for a few days. And I told my wife, let's, let's just go to the cabin. You know, it's right down there in uh, by Pope County, Illinois. And the population, it's just, just a bunch of good old country folks. There was no cases in that area, nothing in the surrounding areas. We might have seen four or five people the entire week we were down there. But I did have my turkey tag. And um, unfortunately... With the state of Illinois, when I talk to some people, like for the the kids to hunt, you know, if they go ahead and they get a tag for a gun tag for the youth season of deer, if they don't fill that tag, they can use that tag during the the regular firearm season. But with the turkey, they haven't changed that yet, um, which is unfortunate. I, I wish they would, but if 
if they have a youth season turkey tag and they don't fill it during the youth season, they can't use that during the regular season. So here we are down there with all the kids. I've still got a tag in my pocket, though, and the, the girls wanted to sleep in. So my son, Cole, he he's really good at running the camera. He actually filmed his first um, uh, archery deer kill. He filmed me um, harvest a great deer in Oklahoma this year, and this was at, you know, 11 years old. So he told me he was going to run the camera, and we were lucky enough to get one a couple Mondays ago. But now it's up to the kids. Tomorrow here in Indiana starts the the youth season of um, Indiana here, and it's not your normal spring because, Cole, what's sitting on the ground right now? Probably about three inches of snow. So we got about three to four inches of snow today. So we're going to head out tomorrow morning and try to get it done for the youth season for the kids here in Indiana. So, Cole, you're up first in the morning? Yep. Well, we kind of have an ongoing thing. If I, I don't, during turkey season, I don't go until until Cole kills. So so it's, it's we go out of our way to try to get all the kids out of the way. So he may get it done this weekend, or it, it may be a long season. You guys know how them turkeys are. It's Like you said, you can go out for, you guys were saying earlier, you know, five, six days and hear no gobbles, and then two days you do, and, so we're gonna we're gonna head out there. We got a few birds located, but this cold weather is definitely gonna mix them up a little bit. I was in Nebraska several years ago, and we had a cold front move in, and it was amazing how they went from one day to the next. Uh, you know, when we first got there, it was warmer, uh, a lot nicer weather, and then that cold front came in that night, and it's like they flipped a switch and just went completely different. And I think we went to hunting in 28-degree weather with 40-mile-an-hour winds and sleet and rain. It was like, are we duck hunting or are we turkey hunting? I, I don't <laughs> think I brought quite the proper gear for this. But lucky tomorrow, it's not calling for that bad a wind, but it, it is going to be 28 in the morning, and we still have about three inches of snow on the ground. But should all melt up by tomorrow afternoon into Sunday, so if we may be okay Sunday. If not, um, the following week, the regular season comes in. So I'm sure Cole will get it done. Cole, you're going to have to make Dad throw a heater in that blind in the morning, man. Yeah, it, like I was said, in the mouse house that I was talking about earlier, we have like a little buddy heater in the mouse house. So maybe we can put that in the turkey blind. You may have to take you a little hot chocolate in the morning also. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, man, that is we... heavy snacks. <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was about to ask how well does the uh does the oatmeal cream pies hold up in the in the snow uh in the snow it's probably gonna last me probably about probably an hour and a half maybe if that <laughs> <laughs> well well let's look at it this way cole now what does your turkey vest consist of i know what's in mine but i'm starting to get more and more curious about what's actually in yours well it has like it has the normal calls and then when we're out we have some shells but then every so often in our backpack or in our vest we'll find like a uh, an oatmeal cream pie from like two years ago and <laughs> we'll eat it because Nicole if you'll go back and look on our page uh, at the first of turkey season, I posted a picture of something I found in mine. I guess I had taken the kids on a hunt at the end of the season last year, and I had a ham sandwich, I believe, left in my vest. And at the end of the season, I put everything in a dry box and seal it up and put it in a storage uh, little spot I have in the shop. And when I opened that box, it was like, oh, wow, what is this smell? And the more I got to digging around, I mean, my, my snake boot stunk, my leaf suit stunk, everything I had was just, had this awful smell. And finally, I opened the back of my uh, turkey vest, and when I did, I pulled out what was left of a molded sandwich. And I think I had to wash everything I had three times before I finally got the smell out of it. So, so be careful leaving stuff in there. It will come back to bite you. Alrighty. That that probably would have been the cure for the coronavirus. <laughs> right, you, you should have saved that ham sandwich. So Ooh, that, that had to go quick, guys. That was that was running everything. Even the dogs were turning their nose up at it. So you know, if a dog won't want to sniff it, it's got to be bad. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, what is uh, so you've got season three coming up? Are we planning on taking the top top prize again? Um, you know, I, I honestly, yeah, season three is going to be coming up next year. But you know, realistically, this year would probably be, I mean, twice as better as our season last year for me and the family and stuff. But the cast that's on that show. Everybody has upped it so much. Um, I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, if you guys think I had a great season, wait till you guys see what, what some of this cast bring. And I'm not talking just about inches of deer. Um, I, I really don't know if I'm going to be up there in the top this year. And I'm kind of glad because so many other people on this staff have upped their game and uh, the kids involved and so many first deer for kids and not, I mean, also to include, there are some absolute giants that are harvested, and the way they were, um, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's you got some big hitters that are still on there. Um, Kyle McClellan up, upped it this year. He's a former pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Steve France upped his game. Um, we got a couple of new faces that are on back again this year, and it's it's definitely going to be an unbelievable season. Um, as far as winning it, I. I don't know. Last year it was more, you know, I was kind of blessed that the, the fans did like what they seen and, you know, and it, that it's not about inches and it's just going out there. But, you know, really, if, if I could speak to those fans out there now and ask for my vote, I would probably tell them, you know, not, not to vote for me, you know, that it's, I, I, to me, what they did for me the last couple of years, the fans, I mean, that's truly what makes this happen. I can't thank that enough. And, I kind of really want them just to look a little deeper and to see some of these other people that are on this same show that I am that have really upped their game and are, you know, driving home those good family values and morals about the outdoors. So um, as much, yeah, it is nice to win some of those neat things they're giving out, you know, but realistically, if I could just can continue to, keep promoting it the best I can. And, and I'm always up for, for suggestions too. So it's going to be an interesting season to say the least. Well, Sean, if you go back, you were saying that, uh, you know, you were told to, to not really worry about changing your game, but keep your game the same. Cause apparently it was working. I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're able to, to be successful two years in a row, yep. but I would think to me and, and maybe to most of our listeners also, you connect with more people not everybody's shooting the biggest turkey or catching the biggest fish or the biggest deer or it's more people that are and and what you're pushing and what we try to push too is get your kid get somebody's kids out it doesn't matter if you're Absolutely. yours take a child hunting take a new hunter hunting if you can help influence somebody and get them involved that's something that will hopefully they will carry on and pass on and if you're able to keep doing that and do it on more of a, a level where your everyday Joe Blow or, 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 you know, Susie Q can actually relate to it. Yep. Cause not everybody's going to kill that 180 class deer. You know, it's going to be more of those year and a half, two year old. I, I, I don't know if I've ever told this on the show before, but one of my favorite, one of my neighbors around here was telling me several years ago that he killed a really good deer. And he was telling a guy that lived next to him and Jeremy, you know, the guy that told this, but he said that, uh, you know, he was bragging on it. It was a five and a half year old deer and said, his neighbor looked at him and said, all I know is you're not a very good hunter. And said, he just kind of looked at him like, really? I just took this monster, beautiful animal, you know, a, a, a prize. And he said, yeah, he said, but I'd have killed him four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so you know a trophy in some one person's eyes is completely different than a trophy in another person's eyes and absolutely you know like you say a a memory with a child will last way longer than the mount will i don't care who mounts it uh, you know 100%. you you can tell that story 40 years from now when the mount has dried up and and withered away and and that's what you actually that's what helps people build build lives and build careers and be successful later in life is is going out and, and enjoying nature and learning things you know that's i know my ty kids get tired of listening to me but cole i'm sure your dad's the same way when we're out hunting i'm discussing all sorts of things 
we're not just looking at the deer in front of us. We're looking at, all right, how did we set the blind up? Why are we set up here? You know, what sound did you just hear? You know, there's there's a thousand things to take away from the hunt other than pulling the trigger and putting meat on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, you say that when that gentleman says it's he would have killed it, you know, three, four years ago. That's, you know, and it's not to, to knock the guys that kill a trophy deer because there's a couple places that I, you know, currently hunt. Hopefully I continue to hunt them where, you know, I got a friend of mine I'm on a lease with in Nebraska. He manages it very, very seriously. You know, um, Garrett down there in Texas, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma, which he also has property in Texas. Down there, he he also managed. Now, those are hunts that I look forward to going to, you know, because, you know, you have a couple hundred acre farm and, and you're you're truly, you know, and the, the amount of deer you see and the, the, the trophy class, you know, is unbelievable. And it's, you know, every whitetail hunter, you know, loves to see a big buck, you know, but it's an enjoyable hunt and those are the years that nebraska i haven't harvested one the last two years i've been there but what i've seen was unbelievable you know the rut seemed to be a little more intense than i'm used to you know i guess in some people's mind better quality of wildlife and bigger bucks so that alone i took from it that was awesome but you know when i get back to my own type of hunting where you know this year itself when coleman shot that big deer yeah, we did go in there after that deer, and it's only because I went in a few days earlier to spray the mouse house with some wasp spray to kill some hornets that were in there, and I happened to see him and three other, or him and two other decent bucks out in the bean field. That's kind of why we switched it up and hunted it that that evening. Otherwise, you know, we would have went out to just another place we had, and Cole would have been more than happy to shot a couple does or you know just harvested a. It could have been just a a decent two-year-old you know so realistically it's it's you know i like going it and i think everybody in the world would love the invite to go to saskatchewan or iowa or something you know whether you're used to that hunting or not just to experience it but just don't get caught up in that's all it's about you know what i'm saying so no we agree man we do a lot of a lot of stuff with kids we do a, a kids wildlife expo through delta waterfowl and we've we've grown it to where it's a little over 200 kids each year or has been the last couple of years and the coronavirus kind of messes up this year but that's the whole point is introducing kids to different aspects of wildlife uh we have you know about 12 or 13 different organizations that the hand grabbers association trappers association hog hunters duck hunters turkey hunters deer hunters you know we try to get folks from different aspects because you may not like one thing deer hunting yep. may not be your thing but hog hunting or trapping may be uh hand grabbing fishing uh bow fishing uh whatever it may be i don't care what you're doing in the outdoors as long as you're out there 100 percent. amen to that absolutely yeah. you know if you're putting the time in and you're enjoying god's resource then by all means you know kudos to you keep it legal and and enjoy yourself you know I, and well, when i do take people hunting whether it's a a, a young person a child or someone that's never hunted or when i took my own kids hunting for the first time or when we went out and you know when our oldest daughter you know we took her hunting when she harvested her first deer it's the same thing i get with with even older people that have never hunted you know be out there and a lot of times i think it's just the way it's been first thing they ask is okay so when we're out here you know they're so excited they're like what what can i shoot you know what 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 kind of deer are we hunting you know and I was telling him, like, I don't know, just shoot what you want. You know, you're out here hunting. I, <laughs> I want them to get that bug. It's like taking a kid fishing. You know, you could take them to a big lake and try to catch them their first bass. Or you could take them for the first time to a good old farm pond and let them just fill a bucket up. That's what's going to hook those kids into the outdoors. Not, well, I went hunting two, three years in a row and I wasn't allowed to, sh- you know, shoot certain animals or our target buck. They're going to get to that. We have all been there. We have all started somewhere, whether we started at six years old or whether we started at 60 years old. We have all started. We can't jump people right to what your standard is or what someone else's standard is. We have to start somewhere. And that's the only way to continue to promote 
in my mind, you know, the outdoors is just get them outdoors and let them enjoy something, whether it's fishing, hunting, whatever. And from there, you know, everything else is going to going to grow, you know. Well, if we don't pass it on, it won't last. So that's that's always been one of the things we try to promote the most is, you know, pass pass it on. Uh, you know, you were taught from a young age from by uh, somebody older, whether it was your daddy, your uncle. <laughs> Correct. Yep. We were the same way. Somebody had to pass that on to us, whether it was a, a friend of the family or whatever it was, picking up stuff on TV. Uh, you know, now with social media and stuff, I know a lot of folks, you know, we get questions all the time, and I know you do probably tons of them. You know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And one of the things, what pet peeves of mine, I guess, sometimes on social media, you know, hunters will jump on another hunter. Well, you're doing it wrong. Well, look, if it's legal, and you're being successful with it, then go. I don't care if you're shooting them with a 410, a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, a 10 gauge, 16. It doesn't matter. If you want to shoot, if it's a legal firearm and a legal ammunition, whether you use a scope or whether you shoot the beads on your shotgun, whatever it is, go. Enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, it was a couple seasons back and I was sitting in the blind and I actually did a post on it and somebody was knocking a child and it was funny he, they were knocking him for it wasn't funny as they do him, but it's funny how they everyone kind of responded from it and i just got so irritated and the kid he couldn't have been that old and he went and shot a jake and let me tell you i have shot my share of jakes and they got on him about you know and, and i had to do a post i went ahead and i did a post on it because you know i don't care if you're wearing mossy oak if you're wearing real tree if you wear this you wear why are we, you know, there's so many anti-hunters out there, anti-outdoorsmen that are slamming on us. We, you are just as bad if, if you are knocking on a hunter, let alone a young hunter. You know, and I brought up a point. I, I didn't care if the young kid harvested with a spitball. If he did it legally, I mean, we should be congratulating him. You know, it's not telling him, hey, listen, this is what you need to do next time. You know, I'm kind of a firm believer it's, if someone does, don't give advice right off the bat unless someone wants it. You know, if they ask for something, then give them some good advice. But don't don't judge someone on what your beliefs are right off the bat when you really don't know where they're coming from. So, amen to that. Well, guys, we are we are going to have to wrap this up. Sean Cole, man, we have enjoyed this thoroughly. Cole, man, Absolutely. I know I know myself. I know Jeremy. I know all of our listeners. We are looking forward to see whether. Your your turkey season, how fast you work this out tomorrow or Sunday or how long it takes you because, man, we want you to have all the success in the world, bud. We, we, we appreciate that. And Cole, uh, I think we're going to head now. we got we got to pick up some snacks anyway because, like I said, we don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, well, we've enjoyed it. Jeremy, if you want to wrap us up. Yeah, guys, we enjoyed it. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Cole. We hope all of you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southern air. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio on.